Welcome to The Power of Kids Books, where we believe books are a catalyst to empower and inspire change. I'm your host, Dory Durbin. Like so many other lessons in life, an awareness and sense of body image is established at an early age. With so many conflicting social influences and opinions, it's really easy for body image to be shaped by comparison and dissatisfaction. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could help our kids set up an acceptance of their own unique and wondrous forms early in life? Today's guest has a passion for writing. She's an award-winning author with over 15 books, ranging from picture books to celebrity memoirs. As a former editor for People Magazine and People.com, and is currently the editor of the Plaid Horse Magazine. Oh, and she just landed a book deal. Welcome to the show, Rennie Dybal. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely intro. Oh, thank you. You've done a lot. You deserve that intro plus some. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Now, I have to tell you, you have done something that most people dream of doing, which is not only writing a book, but writing to a book and 15 of them, actually, that has attracted the attention of a publisher. So let me just put that out there and we'll talk about that. But that's that's a major accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, I work with a lot of aspiring authors and I tell them all the time, breaking into this business is so hard. And even once you're in, once you're a published author, getting that next book is almost as hard. So it is, uh, it's a tough industry, but it's, it's rewarding for sure. That's, that's amazing. And you know, I was also, I had to laugh. I was reading your bio and when I saw that you wrote horse books, I had to show this to my husband because my husband is desperately afraid of horses. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) And that's really what got you writing, right? I mean, that's a big piece of your writing career. Yeah, for sure. I um, I started my career at People Magazine and then People.com. And that was actually the part of my life that I took a break from horses and missed it terribly because I rode as a child and all through high school and college and then working in Manhattan at People was forced to take a break between a starting salary and no car, very limited access to horses in Manhattan. <laughs> uh, just wasn't happening. So um, when I, I eventually moved back to Maryland, where I'm from, and was able to restart uh, riding again, which was, it's an amazing thing to reconnect with a passion and not something that a lot of sports will allow into your 30s and beyond and 40s. Um So when I made the move away from people, I was able to connect with Piper Clem of the Plaid Horse. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'd love to write a blog post or two about horses and about returning to riding. And as it turned out, it was the next major part of my career because she actually wanted a co-author to write a horse book series. So my lesson from that that I also tell my authors is take every meeting take every opportunity because you never know. And combining the two things I love most outside of my family uh, as a career is, is beyond rewarding and incredible. And I feel very lucky. I love that connection, that advice too, to take every meeting, because there's so many times where you're like, eh, I don't really want to go. It's really not in my, my venue. It's sort of out there. And And I did feel that way for a couple of blog posts. I don't know that I have time for this meeting. And what if I hadn't taken the meeting? I mean, I shudder to think. (laughs) That's really, really amazing. I think the other cool thing about that is that you actually were writing for middle schoolers, which was probably something brand new too. It was. And so was fiction, actually. I always Mm -hmm. wanted to write novels. 
to that point, I had only ghostwritten nonfiction, mostly for celebrities. Um, it was sort of a side gig when I was at People. But Piper, the publisher of Plaid Horse, wanted like a Saddle Club 2.0, you know, a modern version of a series for middle grade readers. And I thought, I love that. I'd love to read that. I'd love to write that. Can I write that? <laughs> so I, I was truly, I was very lucky to be in the right place at the right time that she wanted someone to do this. And I actually took the advice of my very first co-author, Christian Siriano, from of Project Runway fame, who became, you know, a real couture master in his own right. But I took his advice, which is fake it till you make it. You know, I've been writing my whole life. Have I written a novel? No. Have I written middle grade? No. But that doesn't mean I can't. So I faked it. So I so I said, okay, I'm a middle grade novelist now threw myself into the research, which happens to be what I love. So that was fine. And, you know, wrote a lot of drafts. It wasn't easy. But I think the fake it till you make it part is just very much for your inner self and your inner critic. So after the fake it part, when she actually liked the first five chapters I sent, that was all the push I needed to think, okay, maybe I can really do this. And now that series is five books long and we've been picked up by a major publisher. So we're being re-released next fall with books six and seven to come. Wow. Wow. Okay. You said so much in that whole part there. Let me go back just a second. The fake of course. Yeah, yeah. The fake to the you make it part, the imposter syndrome is so huge. And it's not just in, you know, like the author world. It's, it's just a sure. huge factor in people moving forward with making decisions. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the point where you're convincing yourself to fake it till you make it, it's really easy even then to pull back and not push through that. So how were you able to say, okay, first of all, I can work for People Magazine because in my brain, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I need some practice before that. And then to take on something that you've never done before. How do you push yourself to that? Well, I think that, first of all, I think imposter syndrome is something that we all struggle with and at all stages of our careers. Every new book deal I get, I have a day of, I can't do this. They gave this to the wrong person. What are they thinking? It's just a part of it. And I think accepting that that's a part of it and not fighting against it makes it a little bit easier. As far as the pushing through goes, I think that we don't know when opportunities are going to arise. And so when they do, it's important to take them seriously and pay attention to their value. You know, I got connected with an editor and a publisher who I thought wanted me to write a blog post and she actually wanted me to write three books. So I looked at it like, yes, I'm scared. Uh, No, I don't think I can do it. (laughs) I'm not sure how I'm going to go about it, but this opportunity may never come around again. So I just have to push through. And, you know, I think that it's not just an initial push, but it's to keep pushing. You know, I, re- I still remember very clearly where I, I was in at the Kentucky Horse Park at Pony Finals. And I was in the same VIP tent as the publisher while she was reading those initial chapters, quite literally shaking in my boots, wondering what she would think. And when she told me she loved them, you know, you expect that feeling to lift and you expect the imposter syndrome to go away. But it doesn't. It just takes new forms. You know, I thought, oh, great. She likes five chapters. How am I going to write the next 20? You know, so I think it's inviting that imposter syndrome into the room 
And, you know, it doesn't have to be your friend, but it's here. It's a part of it. And you just kind of push and work alongside it. That is really great. I think you're right. I think ignoring it is probably just going to make it bigger. Or fighting it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So let me jump from the horses to your picture book. Yeah. And it's your picture picture book is called Babies for Bellies. Um, What I love about this picture book is the fact that you have intentionally placed illustrations. You've intentionally gone through and picked the alphabet to write little mantras about the body. And I think before we dig into all that, I just, I had in my mind, how did you know that this book needed to be written? What was your inspiration for saying, this book has to be out in the world. It was a very simple interaction with my then seven-year-old daughter. We were out grocery shopping. This was pre-COVID times when you went to the grocery store once a week. And a great song came on and I shamelessly, you know, did a little dance on the cereal aisle. <laughs> and my daughter looked at me with these big eyes and, and she looked horrified. And I thought, oh, this is so funny. This is the first time I'm embarrassing her, you know, by dancing. But it actually turned out to be something much bigger than that. With the big eyes and the horror, the horrified look on her face, she said, mommy, something is jiggling. As if that was the worst thing a body could do. <laughs> and my knee-jerk reaction was to be horrified myself. Like, oh shoot, what's jiggling? <laughs> like, and my kid noticed how embarrassing. And then I went, wait a minute, because it's always been super important to me. We all have body image issues, right? It's all been su- It's always been super important to me to kind of keep that to myself. I don't want my daughters to see it. My mom did the best she can, she could in the time that she came up. But I knew from a very young age that she was always trying to fix her body. She was always trying to lose weight. She was dissatisfied. She worked out to change the way she looked. And as you well know, kids hear everything. So I was pretty sure that the idea of jiggling being so terrible was not a message that my seven-year-old got from me. So I thought she's in second grade. Where did she get this from? Being a writer and a journalist, I went home, I dug into the research. And as it turns out, as early as preschool, the anti-fat bias that's so pervasive in our culture has seeped in to our children. And as early as three years old, children perceive thin as good and fat as bad. And I went, oh my God, (laughs) the fact that she's seven and first said this, we're lucky. Like this starts way sooner than I thought. And I immediately wrote down, J is for jiggle, bodies bounce when they move. When you're dancing, parts wiggle, get into the groove. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to do more of these little rhymes. I'm going to do one for each letter of the alphabet. And I called my agent and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but here's my idea. And she said, that is brilliant. Get off the phone with me. Go write the other 25. (laughs) And they poured out of me. It was pretty amazing. (laughs) That I love. Okay. So again, lot to pack in there. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) No, it's great. I love this. So I think. The first thing is uh, your acknowledgement of what your child needed. And I think all parents want that, but you actually acted on it and came at a proactive angle for that. Um, so my next thought was, what does your daughter think of your book? And 
did it surprise her that she actually inspired this? And, you know, what does it mean to her? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it actually, I think what it first kicked off with both daughters, they were seven and four at the time, was I started to teach them that, first of all, that fat is not an insult and fat is not a bad thing. I tried to you know, take an organic moment to say, we all have fat on our bodies. It's part of what makes up a human body. Some people have more fat than others. And the world within the world we live in, a lot of people falsely believe that fat is bad. And I just want you guys to know that's, that that's not true. And I remember my older one saying, mommy, is this about what I said? And I said, I said, yeah, and I'm so happy you, t- you said that to me because this is an important thing for you to know. Your body is perfect and awesome just the way it is. So is yours. I told the other daughter, you know, so is that kid down the street who looks really different from you. So we started the conversation there. And then as far as the book goes, you know, it's funny. I I, I think my kids are my harshest critics because they hear a lot of drafts of a lot of books and they get a little bored, to be honest with you. So the way they're my barometer now is if they get excited about an idea. And they, you know, I read them a couple of the poems and they were excited and I thought, okay, you know, I've, I've got something here. So now I would say the older one is a little embarrassed that I tell this story so often, but when it comes up, you know, I thank her for what she said to me. And I tell her that kids have a lot to teach grownups. And I never would have known that a seven-year-old would find jiggling problematic if it wasn't for what you said to me. So I'm so glad that you did. And I tell her, because of you, you inspired a book, you inspired a picture book. And I think it wasn't until I had a conference with her fourth grade teachers and they told me how proud she is of you and how often she talks about her mom being an author. And it just, you know, just warms your heart because you don't always hear that from your kids. You hear it from other adults. So I would say net positive, even if (laughs) maybe she's (laughs) sick of hearing the grocery store story. (laughs) But, you know, think about when she gets older too, and this is something obviously she's not going to appreciate now, but she gets older and realizes the impact that your book had on so many kids. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking right before about how it's not just, it's largely girls. Okay. But it's not just girls that struggle with this. And to think that at three, they're already paying attention to that and judging themselves off of each other or mm-hmm. the standard that, I mean, most three-year-olds can't articulate, you know, how they're feeling, but they can mm-hmm. decide how they look. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really almost scary in a sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, you know, my thought was that perhaps we're starting these conversations too late. You know, by the time we talk about body acceptance with older kids, They've had years of conditioning just from the society that we live in. So I thought, let's plant the seeds sooner and see what our kids can grow into. And it's like anything else with a social change. It's incremental. You know, these are small changes. And I've already been accused. My book's been out for one week. I've been accused of promoting childhood obesity and spreading deadly propaganda. Somebody said on Twitter, but I, I take the trolls as a sign that people are reading my book. And so great. You know, I, (laughs) I can handle the haters. Um, I, I think, I think this messaging is invaluable because it, 
my hope is that it will teach children to accept themselves exactly as they are and in turn accept other people for who they are, no matter how different they may look. And I think most of us can agree that we all need a little more acceptance. Uh, and why not start that sooner with our kids? Yeah, I think it makes a huge difference to start early because they grow up with it. It's not like they've had these ideas before that you're trying to reprogram, but you're you're giving them the tools early in life to be able to grow into those tools as they get older. And that's exactly. not that's not going to come up again. Um, sure. But at least it's an open conversation between you and your yeah. child at that point. Yeah. And if you have this idea as a small child that no matter how big your belly is, it's okay, just just the way it is. And no matter how you look head to toe, ability, gender, any of it, maybe that'll stick. And, and maybe that will be there to counter all the messaging that they get when they're older. Now, your book, I saw the cover. I haven't seen the inside and I'm dying to get my hands on it. The cover has multiple characters, all different ages and sizes. And I have a feeling it just continues right into the book itself. So can you talk a little bit about that too? Absolutely. While shape and size was the initial inspiration, the more I wrote, the more I realized that this was an opportunity to represent any child reading the book on the page. Uh, and my illustrator, Mia Sane, did they did an incredible job. I mean, I think that you'd be hard pressed to find a child who doesn't identify with one of the characters in the book. And that's so important because as we've learned in publishing and in the world at large, uh, for a long time, we've underrepresented a lot of people. So I think it can only do good things for all children to see themselves on the pages. And you intentionally placed interaction with the parents too, and to how important it is not to just attract the kids and hold mm -hmm. their attention, but also to attract the parents and have them want to be able to reread it. So how did you incorporate that? Yeah, I mean, the buyer and the reader of most picture books is an adult and the child is listening. So you really have two consumers or customers of the book uh, in the child and in the adult. So I think throughout the book, I tried to subtly speak to the adult reader, uh, but particularly in uh, the letter C, which if if you're having me read a few of the uh, letters, I was going to do A through E for you. Um, but as you'll see in letter C, that is a, there's a message and there's a beautiful image for the child listening and, and looking at the book, but there's also a message very much to adults who, you know, as you get older, your body image issues change and aging brings a whole other host of issues. So the letter C is my, is my nod to the adult reader. <laughs> some awesome. Well, this is probably a perfect time to have you read your book. Sure. Sure. So obviously B is for bellies is a collection of 26 little mantras. So one for each letter of the alphabet. And I would love to read you uh, A through E. And I'll just give you a peek at the illustration. Obviously your listeners can't see it just yet, but just to give you a peek. <laughs> I <Okay>. love it. <laughs> a is for all the bodies you see. Some look like you and some look like me. B is for bellies, some are round, others flatter. They each serve a purpose, the shape doesn't matter. C is for change, that's what bodies do. Years change your appearance, but you'll always be you. D is for diverse, all the shades of our skin. We respect other people and the bodies they're in. E is for everything more important than looks. 
like taking adventures or getting lost in your books. Oh, and if you could see the pictures, they are their they're diverse characters, different environments. It's really cute. Oh, you did such a great job. Thank you. And as, you know, as far as uh, early literacy goes, I think our illustrator Mia did something really clever. They hid a lowercase letter mm. on each page for the corresponding letter. So the A is for, B is for, the uppercase is really big and prominent on the page. And then when you've got slightly older readers, they can hunt for the hidden, like in for B is for bellies, the lowercase B is kind of burrowed in the sand. Um, so it makes it interactive for the child as well. That's awesome. And it can uh, entertain the parent then too. Exactly. There's a little Where's Waldo moment in there. (laughs) I love that. That's great. So, okay. So we got this book. We have definite intention with what we want it to do. How do parents use your book with their kids? Like what's your best practices in your own mind's eye? My, My hope and my suggestion would be that these little mantras can kick off conversations. Um, because I think from toddlerhood on, this is going to be a topic of discussion. And so I think it's a great jumping off point for parents to talk to kids about people who look different from them uh, and and the child's own body and maybe the way they see it or perhaps judge it as they get older. You know, one of my early experiences was a kid at the pool told me when I was six years old that I had fat thighs. And ironically, I did not. I was a a little string bead of a child, but that is something that truly stuck with me forever and informed a lot of dieting and disordered eating later in life. And so I think having these talking points early on, maybe some of that will be reduced. Maybe a child who would be inclined to make comments about other people's bodies or, or, or make mean comments. I mean, you see that in early elementary school quite a bit. So if these seeds are planted, maybe there'll be a little bit less of that. And maybe we can, you know, set kids off on a better path than we had for ourselves. I love that. And that whole conversation piece again is just so key because if you can't have that door open, then you'll never know that these conversations need to happen. And like you were saying, sometimes kids don't have the words for this sort of thing and and can't communicate about it. And that's the beauty of picture books. In addition to me, in addition to raising readers and getting kids excited about books, um, it's also a way to open doors and conversation that you wouldn't necessarily be able to otherwise. Love that. So does this book give you ideas about a series from this book? So a couple things. My um, my kids are both on swim team and we have a neighborhood magazine where I live and they were kind enough to promote the book. So I actually did get a lot of very early, very positive feedback. And it was wonderful. The thing I kept hearing from, from adults was, I like this so much more than I thought I would. And I couldn't figure out what that meant at first. And then my <laughs> husband said, and I, ho- I hope he's right, He said, I think it means that people don't expect the nod to the reader and the adult as well. Um, So I hope that's true. I also had kids at the pool tell me how much they liked it. Everybody's favorite letter in the book seems to be J is for jiggle. Like the kids think that's hilarious. And I think that's great. I think jiggling should be hilarious and not something to be feared. (laughs) As far as next steps, um, I actually have a book coming out. It'll probably be 2025. Picture books take a very long time, as you know. 
Um, but the working title is Penelope and the Peculiar Praise. And it's about a cat who goes through her day being told she's beautiful, she's adorable, she's gorgeous, all while she is doing these great things with her day. She wakes mom up first thing in the morning. She catches a mouse in the hallway. You know, she's accomplishing a lot as her day goes on, but all anybody wants to talk about is how cute she is. Mm -hmm. And that idea was certainly a a spinoff from this book, the idea that your worth has nothing to do with your looks. And also culturally, how particularly with girls, we comment on how they look. Oh, I love your dress. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're so pretty. And what that does is it teaches a child from an early age that that's their currency. That's what's important. You're cute. You're beautiful. You're so pretty. What the child's learning is that's what's important. And that's why I matter. And that's the value. So through this story about a cat, it took many, many, many edits to get it (laughs) to the point that's at now. I'm hoping to subtly you know, send the message that the way you look is the least interesting thing about you and has nothing to do with your worth in hopefully a very funny and engaging storyline. It sounds amazing. And I have a feeling that as you work on it, you're probably, and and as you share your B is for Belly book, you're going to come across more topics to just continue this series. I'm not trying to jinx you. I'm just saying, (laughs) I think you're in a really great vein of focus and where you're reaching kids. And it's just great. Thanks. Yeah, I hope so. It's, um, it's, it's a fine line because kids don't want to be preached to, you know, an adult reading doesn't want to be preached to, but I, I do think there's a way to get messaging across, um, in a picture book that is beautiful to look at, fun to read, engaging storylines, um, so it's, it's very fulfilling and I hope you're right. And I very much hope to, to stay in this vein. That's awesome. Well, I will look forward to hearing that I'm right. How's that? <laughs> I look forward to telling you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, Renny, where can they find you and find your book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Bees for Bellies is available anywhere that books are sold. Uh, and you can read more about me and there's links to different online retailers at my website, which is www.renniedieball.com. Great, great. Any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think that, um, I think for aspiring authors, for parents, for anybody really, it's important to remember that for children, it's it's like books are currency. You know, I had, a, I had an editor at People Magazine tell me years ago that ideas are currency. And I think that when you're an author, and you're making career of this, that's absolutely true. But for kids, it's, it's sort of the most important job you can have as an author to be writing for the very youngest readers and listeners, because I think books are what turn children into readers. So I think it's a job to take very seriously and it's so incredibly fulfilling. And no matter how hard the publishing industry is, I think that's what makes it worth it. Um, I also, we didn't get into this and I won't for time purposes, but I have had many, many, many false starts uh, in publishing and in children's books and you name it. Um, you know, rejection is quite literally part of the game as a writer. So just like we allow imposter syndrome in the room, we need to allow rejection into the room. And when the right manuscript meets the right editor, 
magic can happen and it's all worth it. Oh, that's great advice. Well, we might have to do a follow-up just on that. (laughs) Happy to, anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I just appreciate the moments that we were able to encourage other people. And I just love your book. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.